0: Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today I'm asking the question in Gospel Prophecy Week number five, the last entry in this week's topic, more important than ever to check yourself and ask, am I saved when you go to the bank or the grocery store and, you know, you scan down and you see the lines, you wonder which line to pick. If I go in this line, will it be faster than the other lines? Or will that line then end up being faster? I, personally, always pick the wrong line. If I see that it was moving faster, the moment I get in it, suddenly the cashier runs out of receipt paper and has to reload. Or the customer ahead of me starts writing a check or the clerks end their shift and have to swap over something. But being in the wrong line is just part of the daily condition and sometimes makes us chuckle with the absurdity of life. Ending up in the wrong checkout line doesn't have eternal consequences. Now in heaven, at the end of time when prophecy ends and God's plan is completely fulfilled, there will be two lines at judgment. And being in the wrong line there does have eternal consequences. There will be a line to his left, the goats, and there will be a line at his right, the sheep. The prophecy about this is Matthew 25, 31 to 33. And I will read it. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put The sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. That was Matthew 25, 31 to 33. The sheep, or as we know, the sheep are believers, will be ushered into eternal joyful glory. The goats, which are unrepentant sinners, will be thrown into eternal tormenting judgment. So prophecy has a point. It has an end. It is not just for titillating the casual Bible reader. It is the actual framework of God's plan for all time, for his earth, and for mainly for his people. The only person, I'm sorry, the only thing that will put the person in the sheep line and not the goat line is the gospel. It's the gospel that fuels our actions, fuels his prophetic plans, fuels the engine of time that we are hurtling toward the end of. The work of Jesus on earth, then on the cross, and then in heaven, is to minister to lost people. He gave us the charge to make disciples and baptize in his name. Matthew 28, 19. So he came to seek and save the lost. He is still doing that even though he's up in heaven. He said we should be, quote, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 20. Now, do you see that? The age will end Now, first piece of business, am I saved? The first thing we need to check is our own salvation. Am I saved? We can do no good for God and his glory if we are not saved. We would be a goat, and we will end up in the wrong line. Here is John MacArthur in the blog. There's a seven-minute clip answering the question, how do I know if I'm really saved? So if you want to go to the blog and listen to that clip, it's not long, and he goes through a couple of things you can do to check yourself to make sure. Now, the number two piece of business that we all should be involved in is to know the true gospel. Make sure you understand the gospel. I know this is a fundamental doctrine, but I've heard many people say things like, oh, I've been in church for so many years and never heard this actual gospel, and so on. Or I've been in ministry for so many years and it was only later I realized I wasn't saved. Now, sharing the gospel is not using the word gospel in conversation. It isn't saying to your new neighbor, you are welcome to come to our church. It is telling the person that our position before Christ is as a depraved sinner, lost and hopeless. It is knowing why Jesus came to seek sinners and to atone for their sins on the cross, absorbing God's wrath for our sins, though he was sinless. He died as God's sacrifice for sin, and then he rose again and ascended to heaven, to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, any person who has heard the gospel and understands the dire situation in which his sins have placed him can repent of their sins and fall on Jesus. He is the door to heaven and the only way that's stated in John 14, 6. Number three, piece of business, is to know that prophecy has a point. It is that prophecy is God's overall plan from beginning to end. He has a purpose for everything he does. Some of these things we do not know. As stated in Isaiah 55, eight to nine, it's written, "'For my thoughts are not your thoughts, "'nor are your ways my ways,' declares the Lord, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That was Isaiah 55, 8-9. However, some of God's plans he tells us beforehand. Amos 3, 7 says, Certainly the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret plan to his servants, the prophets. Now, providence is the blank spaces between the lines of the Bible. Providence is the ongoing work of God that we cannot see. His work, in some cases, is visible, as when someone is regenerated and we see their changed life. Sometimes his work is obvious, like when a city like Sodom was judged with brimstone. Sometimes his work is silent as I noted yesterday about the worm and the moth from Hosea 5. And sometimes his work toward drawing all prophecy to fulfillment is hidden from us. Yet his sovereignty means that all things are working together for his glory and believers good. It's in the blank spaces and the silence when we must trust him. The end of the age will come. We as believers will stand before Jesus. It will not be in judgment, for he took our judgment while he was on the cross. When we stand before him, it will be to sort out what we did in our flesh and what we did for him for his glory. This is known as the Bema Seat reward ceremony. It's alternately and sadly translated as the judgment seat of Christ. It is the doctrine of rewards. And at the blog, there is a link to an explanation about the doctrine of rewards. We will not be judged, but we will be evaluated. When we stand before him, will we cry and mourn because we squandered time? Failed to be vigorous for him in our work? Did we curl up in a ball with our hands over our eyes? Skip church too often? Or will we stand and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant? Whatever we did in our flesh will be burned as wood, hay and stubble. And whatever remains as work done for his glory, will be diamonds and silver and precious stones. This allusion about the Bema Seat is in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 13, and I will read it. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each one's work. That is the bima Seat reward ceremony when we are assessed or evaluated, not judged. It is a prophecy that in the end, we will be rewarded for how well we shared the gospel, was faithful, and gave God glory. Prophecy has a purpose, and the gospel is intertwined with it. We need to make sure we're saved, that we're faithful to make disciples and baptize in the Holy Trinity's name, and that we fuel our actions with the knowledge that all we see and know will end one day, and the earth will be melted in a fervent heat and remade anew. This is a prophecy, a promise, and a verse from 2 Peter 3.10-11. And I'll read it and end with this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with an intense heat, and the earth and its works will be discovered. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Well, this has been another episode of the End Time blog podcast. Thank you for listening. I value my listeners and I appreciate your time. I hope you have a wonderful day.